The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. 10% discount is yours at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. 10% discount on your legal fees. Dan Moylan with you, Michael Normanson, and Moscow White as well, Daniel Chapman, where if you are a TSP Plus member, you can catch Propaganda Extra. Propaganda has been out this week as well, Post Wolves. Some bonus bits on there for uh, for members, so do check that out. Uh, Thesquareball.net forward slash plus. Busy week then, first week of the season. Michael's back from your holidays. Lovely to have you back. Did you have a nice time? Don't care. <laughs> okay, fine. Yes, I had a lovely time without you. How was Brian Montenegro? Uh, Brian Montenegro, yes. Very nice. Very pretty. Very hot. I went to see a game over there. How did you? Who did you Who did you cheat on us with? Some KOTOR's local team. What level What level football is that? I think they're actually like second or second division in Montenegro, but I don't think it's a particularly big... Not particularly big league. The stadium. It's, it's not instant qualification into the Champions League groups. No, I think the stadium had about 350 seated capacity, and it right. was free to get in. But it did mean I could take a bag of my own cans in, uh, which is a, which is. So, so you went on holiday with your I family. Thoroughly approve of. And sat in a football stadium with some cans away from your wife and children. Absolutely. <laughs> just well, for a bit. Just well, for a bit. Doesn't ninety minutes? Yeah, for ninety minutes. It was about a twenty-minute walk there and back as well. <laughs> well, I mean, you can turn that into half an hour if you. It was the, a, it had a digger for a drink afterwards. Yeah. As well. <laughs> On your own? Uh, no, no, the, I was, we were with another family, so it was a... And so they, they came a, out expecting a nice time, and you showed up half cut. It was a, it was a, a nice trip out for me. A little break. <laughs> for you. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. No, it doesn't quite match the Ellen Road experience, does it? No, I'm not saying the, the day trip out, it was quite nice on Saturday. Cheaper. Mm, it was free, yeah. And you couldn't fun. take your own cans into Ellen Road. No, don't try it. You will no. get a football ban in order for that, I believe. Yes. So, uh, so what a week it's been, and where should we start? I listened to your... Uh, interview with Kinnear while I was over on holiday. Yep. That was nice. Yeah, You chickened out again by going on holiday? <laughs> he he dodged me on purpose is what I'm saying. Is he a coward? I was going to come in with a hard-hitting question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was, was alright, wasn't it? Yeah, we're a trading club. Mm, I, uh, <laughs> well, he sort of backtracked on it, didn't he? You were like, so hang on, we, what are we doing then exactly? He probably f- phrased it slightly better than Radrizzani on uh, the Phil Hay show where I think it was a, a metaphor in a second language coming up with caging players Maybe a little bit of a hard way of putting it. I don't know if even Calvin Phillips felt like he was in a cage. Well, Rafinha is in a cage because he can't be registered yet, can he, at the time of recording? I mean, might, might, that might have developed over the course of the week by the time this comes out. But that's quite funny, isn't it, to think that they've paid a lot of money for, for a toy they can't use. Well, they haven't paid yet, have they? Um, that's true. Because yeah. Radrizzani also mentioned in mm. his interview that if if first uh, of September comes and goes, there will be a... Did he say there, was like, there will be a case like nobody's ever seen before? They will owe, owe us another €10 million, Euro, mm. which... Kind of in a way, <laughs> but if you're not, but if you're never planning on paying it, yeah. you kind of don't know it. You're, you're yeah. going to have to pay me more. <laughs> yeah. One of those things, it's like if you get those letters about parking tickets that you're never going to pay, and it's 120 pounds now. You go, I'm still not paying it. There'd yeah. be as much chance of us getting that money as Leipzig getting the Jean Kevin mm. stand fee. Mm. Indeed, I mean that got solved uh, and all tidied up very quickly. So I think there shouldn't be <laughs> we should be frightened of taking uh, Barcelona to the uh, court of arbitration for sport. It's very neat and tidy. Affair. It was good um, getting some clarity on stadium redevelopment and the sort of general situation around tickets, just to understand what the numbers are, where they are. And all yes, the rest ju- of it. judging by Twitter, the ticket situation has been entirely cleared up, and no one is confused by it at all anymore. Mm. I, I do keep seeing stories of people who uh, were like two hundredth in the queue to get tickets, and then they try and pay and put the card details in, and it boots them out and puts them to ten thousandth in the queue. Mm. Or it says you've got to. You've got tickets, but you need to withdraw them from your basket to proceed or something. It's, it's confusing messages. Early days. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. it'll start working better. It does, it does seem like, I know, 
Kinnear kind of put a lot of the complaints down to just people moaning about not being able to get a ticket. But I think there are enough valid problems with um, what's going on that maybe some attention, some more attention should be paid to uh, improving this. Because it's not a good look for people to be, it, you know, if people can't get a ticket because all the tickets are gone, then they don't really have anything to complain about. And that is just a pure moan. If people have got a ticket in their basket and then it's being taken off them because there is some kind of fault, then that's not a good look and people have the right to be complaining about that. And uh, on the transfers, yeah, we're a trading club, which makes sense. I mean, I know we don't like to hear it. No one likes to be told, but, but you know, pointing out that, look, we're not top of the tree anymore. We're not going out there and spunking money that's going to set new record transfer fees because the game's moved on so far in that regard that we just, we cannot compete as it stands at the minute. And we need a bigger stadium to facilitate bigger wages is about the size of it by the sounds of it. And we are trading Helder Costa at a loss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is good. The, um, the trading club stuff and the caging stuff is kind of, it's all fine. It's just difficult to hear, isn't it? And I think the um, part of it, the, obviously you're deliberately not asking me about the Bielsa sacking aspects of it that they should have discussed in May, but there was a big, um, both Radrick Sani and Kinnear talked more about that than they have done at any point. And it seemed to make it clearer than it was that it feels to me like it's linked to the transfer policy particularly from what Kinnear was saying and when they're talking about how back in 2021 summer 2021 they were talking to Bielsa and saying we need we need the need to change the coach or change the players because it seemed like even a year before that Bielsa burnout has been on the board's mind and them sort of thinking they can't go on with the same players or do the same methods forever and then we get to the point where it's Bielsa always saying the next stage of players should be more expensive ones, 30, 40 million players, better than what we have. And I think that would probably have stretched the board more than they are able to invest. Yeah. And so it does then come down to, well, we can't afford to change the players to meet the standards of the coach that we've got. So we have to change the coach, which... It's a valid option. In Phil's interview with Radrizzani, it seemed to be that at that point, if Jesse Marsh hadn't gone to Leipzig that summer, they were going to replace Bielsa there and then, even though we just finished ninth, which puts me in the mindset of watching what happened that spring in the Premier League when we came to ninth, when we won. We won eight out of ten in the Premier League, didn't we? We beat Manchester City. And at that time, they must have been sitting there thinking like, this is great, but wait till we get Jesse Marsh. That's going to be better. And it's weird because... I think you've been unfair there. I don't well, it's just, that. it's a strange... Uh, well, they must have done. Otherwise, why would you get another coach or be thinking about another coach? And it's just strange thinking, because that's the best we've played for 20 years and having that in the back of the mind of like, but he's going to go in the summer. But he did explain that by saying, well, it was never logical to then do so, was it? Because because he'd finished ninth. Mm, but the then football the, was great. The Radrizzani version of that was that, but then Jesse Marsh signed for Leipzig. So it's just going back a long time and thinking, it kind of puts more pressure on Marsh in some ways to know that he has been the chosen one, not just from last summer, but the summer before. So he's, you really then need to see him performing considering what we had. And it all just like, in the end, it's a bit of a shame because, and this kind of fits with the... But what we had was getting 6-0 and 4-0 pumping. It kind of fits. In the end. But then the solution to that, change the coach, would change the players. We couldn't afford to buy the players that Bielsa, the coach, would want. And when you think about, a lot of Kinnear's answers on things were, um, so we need to for the stadium redevelopment, when it's talking about the West Stand, it's going to be 100 million into that, but because of rising costs 
and I guess the opportunities that we missed in the uh, when we we're messing about with GFH and Chilino and all those years that we lost, he was talking about it's going to be quite functional. It's not going to be very attractive. The limit on investment that we can put there means there's a limit to how good the the new facility is going to be and when they can come. And then when he was asked about the women's team, it says, well, you've got to understand that needs a lot of investment. And when we're talking about um, pretty much everything came down to, well, that's going to be very expensive. And I actually like that the football club is trying to build itself sustainably from within. But it, and that's why I only regard it as a shame that we won't get to see what Bielsa could have done with the investment into the players that he would have thought were good enough. Because mm. if you imagine what those, who those players could have been um, and what that could have been like, Bielsa with a budget would have been frightening. And I think it would just be a shame that maybe if we could get him back in 10 years when we have built that club that has got the massive West Stand and we can just like say, you know what? People are going to be screaming at this saying you've got to let it go. Well, they're the one, well then they, when, and this is the big criticism of it then, do these interviews in May. Mm. Because, but you can also understand why they didn't because it was no, just time for, for things just to calm down and everybody to sort of rationalise what had happened. But then they stir it up again two days before the season starts. Well, they didn't, did they? I asked, I asked him the question. So why didn't they a, do the interviews before then? Radford Zani can do an interview anytime he wants. Yeah. Well, he, they, they and he does. Felt, he calls it on when he wants an interview. Yeah, they obviously felt it was the right time to do it. And exactly. Also, so they can't expect nobody to comment on it now. Okay. Um, <laughs> Elder Costa's left the club anyway. <laughs> We'd like to thank Helder for his attitude and professionalism over recent weeks and wish him luck during his time at the King Abdullah Sport City Stadium. Strange one, isn't it? Helder Costa. Mm, he played a part, didn't he? He did, yeah. He got us up. When you, when you look at the price of footballers now, just talking about 30 million, you know, 30 to 40 million pound footballers being the sort of ballpark that you need to pay to kick you on to the next level, suddenly paying 15, 16 million, which we all thought was probably a little bit overpriced at the time, mm. seems like fairly small beer now, doesn't it, really? Which is mad. But that's football for you. Yeah, you, you never quite lived up to the price tag or expectations, did he? I don't think. There were bits of it when you sort of... Who did he replace? I'm trying to think who he, who he came into the team instead of. Hard to actually remember, isn't it? <laughs> but he seemed like he seemed like he would probably be an upgrade. Well, we saw, I suppose we sold... Did we sell Jack Clark that summer? And got... Yeah, that got, would be... Got Costrin, so we kind of used that money to get someone who was a bit more proven. And has he had a better few years than Jack Clark? Yes. Probably, and yeah. Like, and like a DFS sofa, we're still going to be paying for him long after it's gone to. Well, the I mean, if he, he's gone to he's gone to Saudi Arabia, and so his wages are probably being fairly well covered, if not entirely. Mm. I mean, the summer he was brought in, we got rid of Ekuban, Clark, Wilkes, uh, Heidi Sacco. That's probably <sighs> the direct uh, upgrade. Kemal Roof, Vernon Anita, Pavel Chibitsky. It's another one who was an option for the wing. So, yeah, he was probably uh, better than those, although I still love Heidi Sacco. And he's had a better few years than uh, than Pavel. Yeah, he did. And that's it. It's like kind of the contribution to us going up. And it's funny because even at the start of the Premier League promotion, those first few games, he actually played really well. Mm. And it looked like, oh, because there was also that idea that if we're getting into the wide open space of the Premier League, then his pace in behind will be great. And there was a little bit of proof of that for maybe two games. And then we signed Rafinha and I think that killed him. Yeah, I think having him replaced by Rafinha did change your opinion of him as well because you all of a sudden went, he's loads worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just don't want to see him again, ever. I wonder if it affected him as well because he never seemed the most <laughs> uh, confident of people. Yeah, it was always kind of, a, even with the promotion stuff, he was 
He was never central to any of it, was he? He always seems no. to be on the on the fringes of the celebrations and stuff. Maybe that was just his character, though. Mm. A bit he, of used to, he used to do a bit more at Wolves. They used to do um, more videos with him, and it seemed like I have a sense of humour, but quite a, a quiet type. But you wonder if, yeah, Rafinha coming in and being quite obviously so much better than him in his position did make him think, oh, well. He's, doing, he's got a nice animation on his Instagram. Have you seen that for his move? It's one of those ever-zoomable... Things oh. and it's kind of going through his life of him being a child with a football in the mirror. Oh. Then it zooms in and it goes to all his clubs and it's nicely done. Yeah, I mean he's done. He's got uh, two promotions, hasn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like Barry Douglas, Premier League football because he played there. He played in the Premier League for Wolves before he came for us, so we had a season there as well. He's um he's a good player. We, I don't think he he he'll be remembered as a as a great at the club, but often players aren't. They just. They come, they score some goals, get some assists, they play. I'll remember him for the Swansea, being involved in the Swansea goal, actually. He was down the right there, wasn't he? Uh, what do you think of the answers uh, The answers around transfers that um, we got from Angus Kinnear? I wanted um, him to say we're definitely signing a left-back, and he uh, didn't he, say that. No, no, he told me that off air. He oh, said, did he? He said 100%, we will definitely sign one. And then he passed me, he slid a piece of paper over the table with the name on it. So, whoo, tell you what, guys, you're going to be impressed. <laughs> no, they should sign someone, shouldn't they? I think so. If... Junior Firpo was dead good. I'd say, okay, fine. We'll persist with Strout for a bit until he gets fit. I have my concerns that when Firpo comes back, he'll still look like old Junior Firpo. And I would rather we had someone better than him. And his injury record doesn't hold up as well. And no. his COVID record, hopefully that's um, behind us this season. But he's never been able to, to put a sequence together, has he? So that, and you'd think, well, maybe that could be, that'll be the thing for this season. It's the target, isn't it? Can a fully fit Junior Furpo be the left back that we thought we were signing and then it's weird he didn't even look injured when he was doing the interview at the end of that Blackpool friendly where it's like you know yeah last season was a disaster I'm hoping this season will be a lot better and he already had the injury that's going to keep him out for two months <laughs> um, so it's those kind of things do just make you think like who can we sign but yeah it's I suppose the question is who and how long you have them for it's weird because Joel Robles has come as the backup goalkeeper. Who is it confirmed been, yet? Yeah, it's confirmed. Oh, it's now confirmed. So we've been wanting somebody like that for ages, and he sounds absolutely perfect. That he's a thirty-two-year-old um, former Wigan goalkeeper, an, an FA Cup winner, FA Cup winner, a twice uh, FA Cup winner after this season, and happy to be backup. But it's strange how I wonder if there'll be a move in this as well because of the way squads are changing and stuff. Um, of outfield players who'll do that kind of Scott Carson, Rob Green, uh, never actually going to play job, but for outfield positions, because that's, it's the same with the, the stuff about wanting to sign a striker as well, where obviously Charles de Kettler, clearly the idea is that he will be better than the players that we already have. So it's a no brainer signing. And you can see all that, why that makes sense. And then, and then on the Radritzani interview, why did he have to say, you know, he talked it through. He made it all sound fine. Like we made, we, you know, we gave him a better offer than Milan and he decided to go there. Okay, yeah, well, that's fine. But if only I'd gone 10 days earlier, I would have sorted it all out. Stop before <laughs> you get to that bit. Like that doesn't help anybody knowing that, that, oh, if I'd only gone 10 days earlier, I'll always regret this. But so Kettler makes perfect sense because he would have come in and he's immediately probably, you're then giving uh, Bamford and Rodrigo and Aronson and all those players problems because he can, he, he might be better than them in all their positions. And now, though, because those players don't come along very often because it's hard to find somebody better than Bamford and whoever, you're looking for somebody who is worse than Bamford and Gelhart because you don't want them to take their place. The, the dream signing, the dream scenario is 
we sign a striker now and they never play because Bamford and Gellhart are fit and brilliant all season. And so it is difficult to find a, a player, I guess, who'll, who'll do that. But um, maybe there is a... I don't buy it. Get one. Yeah. Just <laughs> well, get, it's like at the, get um, one and let them be pissed off. The links to, what's his name, Che Adams came up again, didn't they? And it was like, obviously he's not going to play unless yeah. Bamford gets injured, in, the, in which case we'll need him. But I And how do you sell that to him? Well, I find, yeah. it very, I find it very difficult to argue against the idea of a squad in the Premier League era. Mm. You, you force your way in, don't you? I suppose so, yeah. And, I mean, and there's, a, there's a forward line that can rotate and if, you, if you've got a bit of versatility about it, you might find yourself as one of, one of the two up front. You might find yourself coming off the bench sometimes. Maybe you're playing behind in the number 10 sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. See, Calvin Phillips is already paying the price of, of that Who? though because that's what he thinks is that he can go to Manchester City and he knows he'll start from the bench and but he thinks he can get into their first team. I guess the fact it's a smaller squad as well means he, he, he knows he'll be rotated in it at some points. But I guess it's um, that's him having the confidence to to go there and say like I will challenge myself to get into Manchester City's team, and I guess that's it as well. Is trying to find a player who will have the comfort, who will look at Bamford and look at Gellhart and go, yeah, they're rubbish. Oh, you might be buying me as backup, but I'll be in a ahead of them anytime. And I don't know, I don't know who that that mystical player is, but I am outraged that they haven't found him. But he's it's at, not Joel Robles because he's not getting in ahead of Melier at any point soon, is he? No, might but, but I, I think I'm I've. Happy with the signing, though. It seems to make a lot of sense. And it gives Klassen the, the option as well, the opportunity to sort of properly establish himself in the, the 21s now as well and play more football there. You know, like people say it's going to block his pathway, but maybe it's just a little bit more prudent mm. to have that extra body in there. And you saw the improvement in Klassen between his first half of the season and the second half, and that was just purely from playing in the under-23s. And, uh, 21s as they are now. Do you see the 21s well, as five, they are now? Five two at Derby. Four for uh, Matteo Joseph. That was With, good. With uh, on goal, so we had, a, a, we had another new goalkeeper because old uh, Daniel van der Hervel broke his neck by the sounds of it. Mm. Broke some vertebrae in a, a car crash, which um, thankfully he's recovering from what uh, uh, Jesse Marsh was saying about him. But that's never a, a good vibe. Um, Chat shit, get on banged. That's what they say, isn't it? They do apparently. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, quiz for you actually, Moscow. Which club did Joel Robles? I know he's a free agent, but what was his last team? It was Real Betis. Well done. Oh, well shit. done, he's improved. Long-time long listeners didn't, would have maybe heard Moscow go for Betis before. Yeah, you see, I, I can't let the Bielsa thing go, but I am improving in other, in other ways. So <laughs> well that's, could just give me some time on, on the other bit. Finally, the away kit, Michael. I don't think you've uh, gone on record with your thoughts on it, have you yet? Mm, yeah, yeah, no, I don't like it. Bottom of the ocean, isn't it? Best place for it, <laughs> my opinion. <laughs> I don't, I, do you know what, I, the... Original pictures look worse than the genuine pictures I've seen of people who own them. Yeah. I don't like the coloured in bits on Spotop. Right. The uh, the sponsor, the ironed on sponsor logo is just like a horrible cheap plastic. And it's not yeah. good. Well, Sam, Sam's got one for his birthday, which is this week. And I hope he's not listening. It comes, no, he doesn't listen to podcasts. He's 11. And obviously, it comes without Spotop on it. It looks much better. Mm. Ah. The other big hitch when you see Are you it, suggesting uh, we should force ourselves into children's kits? Would that look better? If that's what floats your boat. The other big hitch with it in the reel is the um, the huge uh, piss yellow box on the back because obviously they have to leave that blank for the name and number. And if you don't get a name and number on, there's none of the tie-dye repeat goes all the way around. So yeah. it's just, it looks bad from that. So if you are getting it, um, and you know, it appeals to some people. Get a name and number on the back as well. I think it's only a kit. Everyone gets so upset about these things. They don't need to. It's fine. Well, it's borderline, isn't it? I mean, on the one hand, it doesn't matter. On the other hand, it is sort of how your football club presents itself to the world. Yeah, but it's transient. It's transient, isn't it? And tie-dye is very fashionable. If you go in hobbycraft these days, there's loads of tie-dye stuff. (laughs) 
What are you going hobby craft for? What are you after? Uh, hobbies and crafts. Plaster of Paris? Yeah. I'll do it all Is the that time. Sort of thing? Yeah, um, absolutely. Sequins and that? Yep. Goggly eyes? Cross stitch. Cross stitch. Very nice. Um, wool. What are you crocheting at the minute? Ah, uh, you awake it. Maybe that's maybe that's the future. <laughs> maybe it is. Well, there you go. That wraps up the uh, the new section of this part. We've got the uh, the match preview for Southampton to come, and we'll pick heroes and villains for the week as well. Stick about. Let's look ahead to Southampton now, then, shall we? Trip to the south coast. It's going to be nice and sunny. There's no trains running, which is a bit of a bind. Thirty-two degrees. Mm. They reckon. Which so so the uh, the Spaniards in the squad are going to feel like they're closer to home. The beautiful Mediterranean air. Or is Rodrigo going to be huffing and puffing his way around <laughs> like we used to? It's interesting, isn't it, at this early stage of the season where we were, we were sort of saying before, like Wolves' first bit of data that we've been able to analyse for what the football's going to look like under Marsh, how this team's going to perform. I think we, we fell the right side of the line, didn't we? It looked all right. And then you build on that with what's going to happen here at, um, at St Mary's. What do you expect? I don't know. I think we might do all right, but it's hard to say. It's very, uh, like I say, there's not an awful lot of data there, is there? They, on paper, look like a shambles. Because they obviously got a bit of a spanking against Spurs and they ended last season in absolutely horrible form. Five points from 36, I had a look at. Which is which will send you down if you can only manage that sort of a, a tally all season. It looks like they might be kind of knackered. But I was surprised to see they'd actually signed a lot of players over summer because I was just looking at their squad and thinking, all oh, right, I, I didn't think they'd actually strengthened. It's worth saying that a lot of their recruitment took the form of young players from Man City because they um, poached the Man City academy guy, didn't they, I think? Mm. Yes, they've, they've got Lavia and uh, Bazunu. Is that how you say it? The, uh, the goalkeeper. 12 million quid for a, a Man City backup goalkeeper. It's mad, isn't it? This is how they, they stay the, the right side of the uh, the FFP profit and sustainability stuff, isn't it? They just farm out a load of children for lots of money. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? A keeper starts at 10, 12 million and then a bog standard outfield player. You know, we, we saw from JB, what, that's 5 million mm. just as you get going. Anybody with a reputation. On the plus side, I think that means Melier is worth about £80 million. So we'll sell him for about 45 Hey, that's the standard. Hey, there we go. That's the standard. Um, you didn't ask Kinnear about when we're going to sell Melier, did you? No, I didn't ask You should have asked for a date on that. Again, he told me off air, though. He did give Went, me, end yeah. of the season? Yeah, yeah. End of the season, cool. Yeah, and is it uh, Manchester United, the destination? Uh, did he confirm I that? Couldn't say. He made me sign an NDA. So. Swap deal with De Gea. Oh, God. The, what, um, an awful thought. The Joel... Joel Robles being talked up as the number one for yeah. the season after. <laughs> Lots of experience. Yeah, he's, he knows the club now. Yeah, it's his, uh, it'll be like the last time we had a goalkeeper who'd been on the, the bench for a long time but was ready for the, for, for the first team. Do we get Sinistera back for this game? Oh, I think it might be a bit too soon for him. We got Dan James. That's true, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there will be another option. I think Sinistera is kind of due on the grass, isn't he? Along with uh, Cooper. Forshaw. And Cooper all kind of much and more. Cooper's a bit Cooper's a bit weird because he's had no preseason whatsoever, as he with his because he did his Achilles on a treadmill. Whereas Sinistera and Forshaw got a bit of training in before they got hurt. Who've they signed them? So Hamza, what are we going to face? Armel Bella Ketchup. Apparently so. Romeo, Romeo Lavia, Joe Aribo, Gavin Bazunu, Mateus Leash, um, Sekumara. I've heard of Sekumara. We were linked with him, weren't we? Yes, he's the child from Bordeaux who we didn't buy. Uh-huh. probably should have done just to stop them having him yep so it's like Monopoly you need to get up, everything you land on buy it yeah one of that one of them one of them one of them ruin, buy all ruin of them. everyone's game make it go on for days <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're aiming for yes uh, Armel Bella Ketchup is uh, a 20 year old centre back apparently uh-huh. there you go and there's a really obvious joke about the sauce and all that but I'm not going to make it I think I just did by accident um, yeah what, what do we what do we expect from this I, I've got a feeling this is sort of I'm in the the draw because I'm riding the optimism away from Wolves 
draw towards win. I'm somewhere in that ball. I'm about two points, I think. Yeah, I think I am as well. It feels like imagine if we won the first two games. We're nearly we're we're nearly up. Yeah, yeah I think we've we'll nearly win. done it. Do you think? You yeah. said that like we were idiots for even thinking otherwise. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean Well, I don't want to feel we like we beat Wolves. Wolves yeah. are a decent team. And then this lot got absolutely tanked four one by Spurs and they were awful. And and I don't want to judge too much on the own goal, but the own goal was hilarious. He the fellow Salazu yeah. is in the six yard box. I don't think there's even a Tottenham player in the penalty area. And instead of clearing it with his right, he tries to do something with his left and just yeah, kicks he, it. He in. tried to open his body out, didn't he? Which is the completely the wrong place to do it. Yeah. Great. And so that's the kind of decision making that is coming from their um, their defenders. According to well, according to who scored dot com, they were non aggressive as well this season, which bodes well because we're aggressive. Yeah, right? and so they'll be meek. They do. They are supposed to be doing uh, the Red Bull stuff just as we are. But if they're not being aggressive, then that ain't going to work because it relies on that so much. And they were, I think, the one uh, the one warning of, of what I saw of them against Tottenham was um, how exposed they were behind the fullbacks. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, uh, that's that seems familiar. <laughs> So there's there's a there's a risk there in the future. Southampton are kind of there's a big warning from the from the past about our future of where um, the decent mid table team who can throw in those nine nils a couple of times a year that where you just wonder where that's come from and I you know it will be good if we adapt the best of what the style of football has to offer without the nine nil defeats. Yeah, I, I don't think I think we should avoid that. Yeah, I'm up for that. But it's still that's kind of like the uh, the risk when we come up against Manchester City. We but, need to we need to beat them or at least draw so we can they can keep ahead of us in the uh, relegation odds because at the start of the season we were fourth favorites. Right. We're now fifth after the opening day. Southampton have just crept ahead of us. I do want to air a grievance about who scored.com by the way, which I mentioned on the Phil Hay show. Uh, on Monday which is that who scored with their silly bloody algorithm so who scored they do this just through algorithm works out what the skills are what the strengths are what the weaknesses are based on things that happen in the game it's not a human who sits there and watches them and decides they decided that Brendan Aronson was the, the poorest player on the pitch in that Leeds Wolves game really? according to their stupid algorithm yeah well that that does make me slightly revise my view because um, I thought he was great but you know I'm not willing to ignore uh, what uh, who scored.com have to say. So, do you hate him now? They're normally accurate. Yeah, I think he's a, a waste a, of money. Awful. The worst thing about Southampton and another reason why they will lose is that against Tottenham, they took off Adam Armstrong and replaced him with Stuart Armstrong. Yeah. And that's just not a sign of a good team. Yeah, I saw that caption when it came They're up. They're not even related, are they? It came up on match of the day. When we're taking off Archie Gray for Harry Gray, fine. <laughs> But this business, two unrelated Armstrongs subbing each other, no. So uh, relegation to Southampton, and we will beat them. I'm pretty. I think this is a Leeds win, and then um, two wins out of two, six points on the board. How long did it take us to get two wins last season? Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, go on. It I've, was forever, wasn't I've it? Got, uh, I've got last season's results in opening Wikipedia, so I can tell you. Uh, we won against Watford in game number seven of the season. Then we went to Southampton and lost pitifully. Drew against Wolves, then we beat Norwich away 2-1, so it took us until Halloween to get two wins on the board. That was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, And 10. they were against Watford and Norwich, which didn't really count. 10 games, and the next one was Palace in November, and then after that, Burnley in January. God, it was bad going, wasn't it? So it took us until after January, or after the Burnley game, 
to beat more than one team that didn't get relegated. I think I said I said on the Phil Hayes show um, a stat that they pumped out on Match of the Day 2 on Sunday night, which is, and it was um, Chappers who said it, who said, if you get eight points from Europe in five games, you've got, I think it's either a 92 or a 96% chance of staying up. Mm. So you can basically... How many points from your first two? Eight from your first five. Oh, okay. I thought you said eight from your first two. I was going to say. as well. That's a real oh, stretch. If I, so if I said it, that, I didn't mean it. <laughs> if you achieve a mathematical impossibility, <laughs> then... Uh, you stand a very good chance of continuing that. Yeah. What, yeah. I, mean, what I meant was you're up in five, yeah. Eight from five. Hmm. Let's do that. Yeah. We, and then we, you basically, your season's then sorted, isn't it? We said it about the opening one. It was a good start. Um, and I'd like us to build, I, I think, two from two. Uh, Chelsea next. I mean, we're going far ahead. It's probably a bit more difficult, although they don't look too great, but they're probably quite efficient. And then Brighton, you never know what you're going to get with Brighton. But then Everton, Brentford, Forest. These, this early run of games, I think... You know, we we broke everything apart after a bad run of games last season. I think we need to take do the opposite and take advantage of when the fixtures are being kind. Uh, yeah. Don't don't turn our nose up. And nothing of what I saw about us against Wolves. You know, there are the bits of the chances that they had and the the bit when we couldn't get the ball. But there's nothing there that really was like a flashing warning light of like we cannot beat Southampton. That Southampton game last season was at the time like pretty much. Certainly, the top sort of top three worst performances under Bielsa, wasn't it? Because mm. there didn't seem to be a particular reason for it. Yeah. We'd, we'd had games where they'd been a, we were playing a really good team, or there were a lot of injuries or something. But that we turned up thinking we were probably better than them because we'd beaten them at the end of the previous season, and it just was horrible. The whole game was nothing worked in it, and it was a, a, a warning sign. We were at that point, we were still kind of going, "Well, we'll turn this around. We can definitely turn this around." Just looking at the previous season, actually, the first uh, post promotion season, and we did we got. We, we just got wins on the board, uh, you know, by the end of November. So obviously the calendar was shifted due to it being post-COVID. But, you know, by game three, we'd got two wins, Fulham and Sheffield United, mm-hmm. then drawing with Man City. We either seemed to win or lose in that first season back up. There weren't many draws at all, were they? Which is, I think that was the thing that uh, elevated us so high. So quite a lot of significant defeats in there, but also just plenty of wins, particularly in that, uh, that home stretch. But even the middle portion of the season, there were no draws between... Arsenal at home, 22nd of November that year, and the 13th of March, Chelsea at home. Again, both very creditable draws at that. You know, Everything else was either win or loss, uh, a win or a loss in between times. The only other risk I could see from Southampton, and we paid the price last season as well, is don't foul them near our penalty area. Because, mm-hmm. uh, Special teams. Yeah, they've got um, Ward-Prowse can... Uh, can do free kicks quite good, can't he? <laughs> is, is that the is that the sum total of our tactical analysis? Don't give away free kicks, and I'm sure actually that will form part of the uh, of the coaching plan. For I the think game. it did last year as well, weren't they saying like, oh, we need to be wary of him, and then we just went and gave him a daft odd stupid free kick on the edge of the penalty area. And it is a risk factor in our aggressive all in approach. We do get the tackles in. I think a lot for us this season will depend on how referees go. I don't know who it is for this game. But we need referees just not to take against the way that we play. Although the all-in seems to be higher up the pitch generally, doesn't it? It doesn't seem to be a thing when you they get it's around the box. Because your rento's slow. Your rento? <laughs> your rento? Because <laughs> I was rhyming it was slow or too soon. <laughs> Lorente, you can't catch them. Your rento. Your rento. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Let's have a look at the, who the referee's going to be then, shall we? I'll find out. Some not bad. It doesn't really matter. They might not have announced it, yeah. No, they don't always. Do they not? Jesse March had been trying to get at them. In his, co- in his uh, post-game conference otherwise. <laughs> yes, it's, like, it's called Psychology 101. <laughs> um, but I guess in this match, at least, there's the, the business that Southampton will be trying to do the same. 
to us. So it could just turn into a massive kicking fest. That'd be fun. Uh, let's have a look. So no, there seems to be no referee. Okay. Uh, well, so it'll yeah, be keep it that way. Referee it yourselves, lads. That game I uh, I went just to a, see a linesman each. That game I went to see on holiday. I'm not saying it wasn't serious, but it was free to get in. And the one of the referee was wearing a bib and the shorts of the home team. So I don't think it was. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it was. It was, and, then, and there were no linesmen either. So yeah, it was blowing for offside. It was not. Yeah. So the ref was a sub who was doing everything. Uh, we yeah. can have the linos can be one sub each from each team, and then. Marsh and Hassan Hurtle can referee a half each. Mm-hmm. Seems I think fair. that's fair. <laughs> Running around in a wedding suit, Hassan Hurtle. <laughs> um, so what do we reckon then for this? You're, you're confident of a win, uh, Moscow. Yes. Michael, you're sort of a... Are you going soft win? Uh, soft win. Yeah, I'm, I'm soft win as well. I think we're going to win and not concede. And I think we'll score two. So I think... That's 2-0 uh, two two then. Well, two maybe we'll score three. But yeah, 2-0 minimum. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Heroes and villains now then, where we go back over the last seven days, we pick somebody who has done wrong by us, and we pick somebody who's done right by us and we give them a, a fictional trophy. So we'll start off with the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award. Named in honour of our former chairman, still going, is Ken. Mm. Pleased mm. to see that. 91. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award. We've got Wolves taking a huge, I was going to say the lion's share of the nominations, maybe the wolf's share of the nominations. Loads of our TSB Plus members, by the way. Thank you for your feedback on this. Um, picking apart Wolves as a concept. You'd be pissed off if you were a wolf and a lion took it, wouldn't you? Even worse than what happened to them at the weekend. A peacock took it. All the animals. Extravagant plumage beats sharp teeth. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Grey fur. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, the big set of diving, cheating characters, says Jake. We've got flop artists, says Bay Area <laughs> Brandon. What does Dom say? Because Dom took advantage of his TSB plus opportunities as a member to go to the Talk to Us TSB option in the menu on the website and because he's logged in and beautiful, speak to us and send us a recorded message on a, I think this one just came on a C30 cassette, didn't he? He didn't want to use up too much. He'd recorded it on a a Talk Boy from Home Alone 2. (laughs) Is that what it was called? 
I had one. Oh. <laughs> Over the last two years, I don't think there's a team I actually hate more than Wolves. They are scummy, they are cheaters, and they are all absolute characters. They're diving, time-wasting, constantly. It ruins the game, and they've got their just rewards the last three times we've played them. So hopefully, when we go to Molyneux later on this year, same can follow. Bruno Large is going to get a sack, because he's a terrible manager and a terrible man as well. Trying to be Thomas Christensen with his high-pitched voice. There's only one manager with that voice. Not you, Bruno. So piss off. Like I was that kind of spiralled. Because I thought I was being very reasonable then, then it just spiralled. And in the same way that TJ has just said, uh, Wolverhampton, the place, the people, the team, the fans, the players, shithouses the lot of them. A terrible man. Yeah. And good to hear someone defending old TC. I know you love him. Yes, this is it. It hadn't occurred to me that that was... uh, Bruno was uh, trying to take Thomas Christensen's act in style. Thomas would never have done that thing to Jesse at the end of being like, oh... You know, he said something, I can't tell you what it was. He would have just said, he would have said, yeah, he was a stone dickhead to me. And so I got started a fight with him and I'll tell you why instead of all that, you know. Well, oh, we, you can't apologise later. Should we start to dig, dig into him, large anyway? Because we had a load of people nominating him as well. Yeah. We've got another audio clip as well from her name, which is potentially libelous, so we won't say it. But, but it, ends, they, it ends, is a tyrant, so you know that's you. Someone, yeah. someone is a tyrant. Yep. <laughs> why the long face, Bruno? If your players didn't die around as much and roll around like absolute arseholes, you might win a game. All the best, dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Zach, Zach calls, uh, calls him a peri-peri Bruce Forsyth bastard. Fair um, enough. Yeah. It's reasonable, <laughs> grown up. Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we didn't quite get into what was said, did we, that was unsayable, that he felt Jesse had overstepped the mark on, but presumably calling his players cheats. It must have been. Which is fine. The only Do detail on that is when he says, there's things you can't say in this day and age as if like 20 years ago you could call players cheats which I'm not sure is the case so don't know if there was anything and then I don't know the only and yeah the only other thing that makes me think it could have been something much much worse was how Jesse was like nope nope nothing all fine don't worry about it you don't have to ask about that nobody it's sorted he had a problem it's fine I didn't say anything so um, but if large isn't going to do anything more about it than you know, pretend to pick his nose, then it's fine. Huang uh, He Chan, Moscow. Mm. Huang He Chan was the origin of this beef when uh, it went down following. I mean, I'm surprised they even showed that before the watershed on match of the day on mm. Sunday morning. It was such a, a vicious, etc., etc. Um, yeah, not, not nice to see that, is it? Was it Rocker's hand? Yes. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't even it wasn't hand. his hand. It was, it, yeah. was a, it was the tip of a middle finger, I think, caught his cheek. There's no way that you are. And then you, again, I mean, where's so this links to so he's obviously nominated for all that, but then linked to the way Christensen got absolutely knocked out by their goalkeeper, and everyone's just like, oh, I thought well, you, just because you, you just because nothing for that. We've just been mentioning Thomas, Thomas Christensen. Christensen. I was thinking, what's, where's the, what's this? <laughs> he got knocked out um, in sympathy, but yeah, you put the two things side by side, and I think um, there was some talk. Huang didn't get the free kick for that, did he? They they. No, but he wanted. He, it was he the fact that he one. wanted a prison sentence. Yeah. He was clearly looking for them to review it on VAR and find that actually there'd been something terrible happened. And Sean, Sean nothing suggests, given for uh, the the penalty. <laughs> Sean uh, suggests that Huang is a diving, cheaty wolves wanker, and then he's putting brackets. I've had to work hard to get <laughs> Huang into wanker with great difficulty, but I thought it, it was worth it. Yeah, yeah. It was worth it. It was a good pun, actually. Yeah, at least, it was worth it. And then 
I mentioned this in my uh, match report, but it says something for the, the joy of Christensen's tackle on him later, that um, that was so well-timed that there wasn't a way he could even try and cheat that. Are you being, had you been on the opium when you wrote that match report? Because it was very, very, what's the word, imaginative. I love that. It's the way that the football this season is making me feel. Excellent. No one's mentioned it in the feedback form, actually, I don't think. But Huang also was pretending to be injured so that Wolves could have that little tactical yeah. briefing on the sideline because he went down and he was having treatment. It looked like he, he was fairly convincing on this one. You thought, oh, it might actually be injured here. But then it just cut to all of the other players huddled around the, mm. the bench and he had a little magnetic board out and was showing them where they needed to be and stuff. And you thought, oh, it's one of these. And it was pretty much on the half hour as well, which is a, a very standard mark for teams who do this kind and of thing. There was a moment as well, the cameras caught Melier talking to the referee during that. And the referee had a face of like, yeah, I know. I know what they're doing, <laughs> but I actually, I can't do anything about it. But you're right, Ilian. Yes. Um, on the referee, we'll come to him next, actually. Uh, Luca B, I think, best sums it up by saying, just no need. He's probably quite decent. I always like, I've never seen like Wang on Match of the Day and stuff. It's like a decent footballer. We said mm. this about Wolves generally, didn't we? That like, that no, just no need. Pack yeah. it in. Uh, Robert Jones slash VAR. I thought the ref was not too bad, actually, on, on Saturday. Seemed to let a certain amount go. Some daft decisions. I mean, that was so clearly a penalty, though, isn't it? Well, did you see Dermot Gallagher trying to explain this one? Was, was it the Irish Dermot Gallagher or was it the English Dermot Gallagher? It was the English English version of Dermot have Gallagher. You, have you heard the two I have, accents? Yeah, it's, it's wild, isn't it's it? It's weird, isn't it? Um, but yeah, he was saying, yes, it is a penalty, but because they've never been given as penalties, you can't start giving them as penalties. Even though, But it either is or it isn't, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It is that, you... uh, that didn't even make it. I've not seen that. I've seen contact between a goalkeeper and a player in the six-yard box. And I think that would maybe be the difference you might be talking about. If there's a... Uh, a scrum of players and a goalkeeper goes up and makes contact with a uh, attacker and puts him on the ground then maybe not giving that but not when he's taking a running jump to mm. the edge of the penalty area and flying into somebody where there is loads of space like I said on uh, the match ball and still believe it I don't think he necessarily looked and saw Christensen there and was like right I'm going to go and clout him it's just he was in his path but there were plenty of ways he could have gone either side of him and not mm. clattered him. Just, don't, just in a, don't punch a man in the face. Must whereas know. in a six-yard box where there's less time to room to move, and if you are, if it's just a, a couple of steps and you you knock somebody over, fine. I think that's what Dermot Gallagher's trying to compare it to. It's a completely different thing. Mm. He's taking a running jump, flying into him, uh, and I I can't work out. I think it's his shoulder that really does the the damage, but it's a just a full body connection and. The way it's the game, reckless, it's out of control, it's dangerous. And anywhere else on the park. Anywhere else kick. on the park, and it's not, well, well, there's Ga- well, no real... Dermot Gallagher's yeah, explanation was, if you, have, if you give that one, you have to start giving them all. What, when you punch someone in the face? <laughs> it's a slippery slope. Yeah, I'd quite like to see those given, to be honest. If yeah. You're twatting people in the, the thing, mush. The way games are refereed now, it's like you, there are loads of tackles where people win the ball, but they say, yeah, but it's, it's reckless. So even if you win the ball, you can't be, mm. you can't be doing that. So when you don't win the ball and it's reckless, surely that's worse. Yeah, but yeah, actually exactly. they've gone. But he's got gloves on, so it's maybe all right. Maybe uh, like boxers wear gloves. I suppose it, it's a bit bad where you start going like, yeah. So if you'd done this and done that, then it would have been. But like, yeah, if, imagine that, but with feet. Yes, flying through somebody. You know, imagine, the imagine if you had feet for hands, and, they, and he was wearing four pairs, like two pairs of boots, four boots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what then? Yeah, and instead of studs, he had knives. Yeah, mm-hmm. the exploding knives like that, <laughs> tinged with poison. Yeah. Could have all happened. Could have all happened. happened. And while we're just um, taking down the establishment and the authorities, um, big football needs to answer to this. The dubious goals panel. I mean, it's dominating multiple times. 
Guglop, Philip, Dom, Jambo. Has a you. panel actually judged this yet? Or yeah, is, yeah. They, they judge it. They judge it during the game. I think. Oh, did it? Is that? Yeah, yeah. Is that someone? Someone's job? Did yeah. somebody wake them up? Uh, there must well, be. Well, I, always thought, I always thought they met like at the end. Been of... a dubious goal. <laughs> I think. I think what they do now is that the um, the whole thing is pumped. You know, have you had IMG who do all the broadcasting for the Premier League, and I think they do like the EFL as well. It's that's where Stockley Park is. So the VAR and the TV and all that is all in a mass, one single massive building. So we I were going to go and start a, a bin fire outside it, yeah, weren't we? Exactly. Yeah, Stockley Park. Actually, no, we were not going to go <laughs> and start a bin fire just outside in case it. one happens. Yes, that was yeah. never a part of our plans. Anyway, it's just a big. And like, nobody should. It's a big business park, but the whole thing is in there. So all the VARs in there, all the TV feeds that go in and out to the rest of the world and to the UK and stuff like that, all via Stockley Park. Um, so, so, they've, so they've got a permanent because the Dubious Goals panel in the nineties. It'll, it'll be the twats who are in the VAR, won't it? It used to be like some old pros would meet mm. up, like Trevor Brookin or someone would sit in a room and kind of ponder a video VHS. Well, I think it was, it was the one that came off my head in the nineteen eighty one FA Cup final. I didn't, didn't get many with my head, but that one. He was, uh, yeah, he was. Um, it's good that we're bringing the Trevor Brookin jokes back from nineteen ninety six. He was, it was ruled on during the game is, is to answer the, the question. All right, fine. Um, let's. Uh, well, it was ruled wrong. Yeah. Give it to Brendan. And uh, I like the fact that he wasn't having it as well in the interviews where he's all just like, no, and no. That's basically his answer. It's like, oh, well, the, uh, the the panel, you may not like this, Brendan, but they've <laughs> they've adjusted his, and he's just laughing and saying, well, it's mine. So it went off my foot. I'm having it. Give <laughs> just, it to uh, him. Just on Jose Sarr as well, he's been nominated a couple of times. Um, Jake, Andre from Sydney and Nathan. Andre's actually saying it was a... <laughs> Described as a nightclub attack on Christiansen, which I think is fair enough. Other Wolves players, then let's rattle through these. We've got Neto got a few for, for being skillful and good. Yep. And for being a... I mean, actually, no, Neto was quite a good supermarket. I'm sure he's heard the supermarket jokes all the time. Podence yeah. scored, so fuck him. <laughs> he's nominated by Mike Emotions for his fluke of a goal. And I'm, I'm happy to say that was a fluke. Yeah, Marsh's yeah. Mayhem said, uh, just that annoying little guy reminds me of your friend's little brother that you were forced to play with. Just fuck off. <laughs> Get away. Um, Dan James from the, linking from that <laughs> I don't know why he's nominated he well, I don't know I just noticed his name yes uh, Scrooge he nominates the whole the whole Wolves team and then he says also little scum bastard for being suspended and I just wanted to get in the first little scum bastard of the season so, so well done that, just claiming territory so well done yeah. we, we did meant, I, was, I knew this was in there and we mentioned James in the Southampton thing and I could have said that then but I didn't want to steal his thunder okay so there was um uh, a very brief one as well and his name's escaped me because I, I only know it's Harry Hans Richard Keyes because he put in his uh, gossip column that he was just like I've heard that there's trouble at Leeds and they might sack Jesse Marsh he hasn't heard any of that he's no. making things up disgraceful you see him trying to um, claim credit for basically starting the Premier League <laughs> over the weekend like <laughs> I'm just pleased to play my part no in no it, this... it was uh, women's football that he started he, oh he started that, women's football yes he said that there was no there wasn't really much of a a feminist movement until he noted feminist until Richard he Keyes. said until all the banter with um Sean Massey and he said that's what really started people started thinking about um equality in football right it was him he was responsible <laughs> so that was his reaction to uh but he also, no, he also winning the euros he also <laughs> so by it, being on the wrong side <laughs> it all started with him being on the wrong side and then he, he said as well and it's like oh we should always remember that it was Sean Massey who called it banter which also doesn't seem to marry so with I any was, of my so parents. I was in the right but he, didn't know he also tweeted taking credit for the Premier League. He said, it's great to see it entering its 30th season or whatever. 34, I don't even know what it is. Great to play my part in it, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm pleased to be still be playing my part in it now. No one no one knows who you are anymore, Richard. Exiled you, on BN. Some non-entity yeah. on a foreign TV channel because you, you're too much of a pig to be on British TV. And if somebody else had had that presenting... <laughs> in your opinion. Uh, if somebody else had had that presenting job in 1992, 
they would have played the massive part in it. Mm. It's pure luck. Alton Wellsby was robbed. He was, bless him. He would have done a better job. Hey, Zach's not happy with people tipping us for the drop. A bit premature to get involved in this one, isn't it, at this stage <laughs> of the season? Uh, we'll see. No, no, he's right. They can be nominated as villains because this is Villain of the Week. Yeah, And uh, they nominated us all for the drop. And there's a lot of people who did it. And as he describes them, thick as two short planks, media members and experts. And we won. So right. they can all put it up their backsides. The one sideways. season we haven't been tipped for the drop was the season we nearly did go down. Mm. So fine. They can tip us for the drop. Yeah. Reverse psychology. Yeah. And Kid- if they do end up being right, they can be villains then for being right. <laughs> Kids invading the pitch. Lewis, not happy. Little bastards. They could have had um, boots on the hands covered in knives and explosives too. <laughs> and poison. Poison. Kids yeah. are poisonous. <laughs> I know they, they clamped down on this. How long is the banning order for that now? Is, the parents is it get three banned, months or something, isn't it? I mean, that's it. And I think... It's all six weeks or something. When you talk about a paper tiger, it's that difficult to get a ticket for a Leeds game that probably once every three months is what a lot of people will be able to manage. So if you like... <laughs> If the if the kid runs on, tries to get a shirt, and then it's a bit of a lottery whether they do or not, and then you get banned for three months. So that, well, take those odds, wouldn't you? There was a I'm lot of it. There are more. There was a there was a lot of it. I noticed from the front of the East stand. I yeah. was I was I was quietly appalled. Um, what were they after this time? Because it was always Calvin and Rafinha's stuff. Everyone got it. They're, they're about mm. four or five of them got on. There was a chase. Anything it was like yeah, it went a bit. Yeah, mad. one kid got. He didn't get a shirt. He got quite viciously rugby tackled by a steward, and then marched straight off to the northwest corner, which normally. I think it's because the kid was a little bit older. He was. He looked like he was maybe about nine or something. But normally, there's like, I'm sure he's supposed prison time for him. <laughs> you should take them. You're over the age of criminal responsibility. You'll fir- do the time. The first thing you would do is maybe take them back to the parents if it's like some four year old kid who's run on the pitch. But no, it was like I don't care who your mum and dad are or where they are. You are coming to the cells. So there's only one. Well, one maybe two things we can do about this. One is to. Stop doing the lap of honour, the lap of applause, lap of mm. appreciation, whatever you want to call it. And that should discourage it if they just get straight down the tunnel and ignore all the fans mm-hmm. or electric fences. Well, I was, yeah, I was going to mention that because this Ken is Bates solution. Ken Bates' is, uh, Villain of the Week award, and that was always his thing. Because yeah. we already had, people who don't remember football in the 80s, we had fences yeah. um, to keep uh, the fans caged and stop us from causing trouble. And then Ken Bates, because that wasn't working, came up with the bright idea of electrifying them and was only stopped by... Um, Kensington Council, was it, I think? Yeah, I think so. Just generally... So stop electrocuting people. Yeah, just generally people not, who aren't in favour of... People who aren't in favour of ordinary people being electrocuted <laughs> managed to uh, dissuade Ken from uh, carrying out that plan. How many other businesses tried to electrocute their customers? <laughs> Interesting way of well, doing things. how many other businesses have the kind of scum that come to Chelsea? It was, it was uh, Seb Cole, wasn't it, who was, we yes. discovered was... The tricky one. Stealing season tickets to get into it. Yeah, I've got to deal with the house. I'm going to do rats like Seb Cole. 240 <laughs> volts. Put a car battery on his seat. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I think that's everyone, isn't it? Uh, in for the Villain of the Week award, who's having it? Is it? Large. You think so? I think it all got, it begins and ends with him, doesn't it? We've we've discussed it a lot over the, the, the podcast that Huang and Neves and all these players are capable of playing good football and being fun to watch. So who is telling them to be a bunch of diving cheats? The guy who started it all for no reason with our beautiful manager, it's large. I mean, Sarah describes him as a diva. Paul Gascoigne shows up and Mm. suggests he's a minge. (laughs) Huang nearly scored a Paul Gascoigne goal, didn't he? See, so he can be good. He did that little flip over, was it Urente or Cock? I can't remember. Probably Urente. Probably Urente. (laughs) Right, large then. Ken Bates for another week. Yeah. Right. 
Hero of the Week award. Have somebody sent in a tape then with a nomination? Have they? That's exciting, isn't it? They have it uh, across the ocean. Which one? Pacific, uh, Atlantic, Atlantic. Yeah, Indian. I, I don't know which way it's been rooted. Oh yeah, it's, if, if it's it went with the shirt, so we're lucky to get it. <laughs> so, milling around somewhere near Malaysia in a container at the moment, bobbing <laughs> on the surface. Hey guys, of the American fan here. Found my way to the fandom via demons from New Jersey folklore. To uh, make a long story short, anyways. Um, Wow, great start to the season. Hero is definitely Aronson. Uh, he has that kind of, you know, it, it's hard and also easy to compare him to Rafinha, but it's that sense of like, when this guy has the ball, I'm kind of perking up a bit and, and really paying attention to what he's doing. And villain is uh, whoever that invisible madman with a crowbar was going around just bashing Wolves players left and right. Not really good uh, sportsmanship. I mean, he's had two bites of the cherry there, isn't he? Here I'm villain. He has, he has. What was the reference to the Jersey Devils at I, the start of the Jersey Demon? I have no idea. We're going to have to follow, follow up on my head. He needs better explanations. I have heard of Jersey Devils. I just wasn't sure what the, the connection was. Unless, it's, to be unless one. it's a team that he like, used to like and now it's... Uh, well, it's an, an entity with the head of a horse, the wings of a bat, and talons befitting a dragon. Um, and it has terrorised the imaginations of New Jersey residents. In nearly 300 years, um, it's commonly believed that the demonic being was the cursed progeny of a bewitched Quaker woman and escaped to the bogs where it could be heard wailing and slaughtering local prey, but now I support Leeds. Okay. That's the bit I don't get. It's how you get from... Uh, I mean, it's, a good, it's a good shift. It's one we can all, I'll get behind. Yeah, and I think we've all... Um, maybe the most uh, applicable part of that to Leeds United is escaping to the bogs because we had the um, the magical pisser was mentioned on the other show and can perhaps be nominated as a hero as well. So a combination of... Um, although I don't think they were slaughtering prey. Yeah, who is it? When they escaped to the box, they just had a piss. Joey Bago Ibuprofen, to give him his full name there, which is a callback to the match ball where we discussed mm-hmm. at length of the family sized packs of ibuprofen you can buy. A thousand tubs is the biggest I've seen so far. Oh, okay. No, right. Okay. So all I had to do actually was scroll a little bit further down on this webpage. Is it Wikipedia? So, uh, <laughs> no, it's called all that's interesting.com. Before it was known as the Jersey Devil, the creature was more commonly called the Leeds Devil. The origin of this name is a few different backstories. One legend maintains that in 1735, a destitute New Jersey woman referred to as Mother Leeds became pregnant with her 13th child. Leeds' husband was reportedly a drunkard, could be anybody uh, from around here, who was unable to properly provide for his large family. Desperate, Mother Leeds cried out, Let this child be the devil! On a stormy night months later, Mother Leeds gave birth to a normal-looking baby boy, but then before the midwives and Mother Leeds, 12 other children, the infant transformed into a winged beast with a long tail and talons. Mother Leeds is said to have tried to confine the beast to her home, but it grew quickly and viciously and one day killed her before escaping into the woods. So the, now it makes sense. That's that uh, devil. Okay. Who was doing this? It's uh, Joey Bagger Ibra. Um, <laughs> old Joey. Um, right. Well, we've had an explainer. From the ancient line of Oibrofen. Ibuprofen. Ibrofen. Um, okay. Let's, I mean, that's only one explanation. There are others. Let's celebrate the USA because a number of people just like the USA as a concept. I mean, we can ignore the maybe the gun laws and stuff like that. Well, you know, celebrate the good stuff like Marsh and Adams and Aronson. There are many fine people from there. Uh, look, for example, John Bon Jovi, who is Pat Bamford's favourite, we mm. learned the other year. A fellow New Jersey resident. There are others. Bruce Springsteen, he's good. I'll do now. Any, um, but any, no, we're, any we're, good Americans? We've not really talked about Aronson. Just, just I, a couple. I do. Yeah, that, that's it, really. John Bajovi and uh, they're the only ones from New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, there were loads of nominations for Aronson. Yeah, even he was brilliant. Like I, I do see the very different player to Rafinha. But Sexy I, bastard, says Ardio. I do already 
watch that game and think, how does this system work without him? Because he seemed so he seemed so crucial to it, and the, the fact he picks it up like in the middle and then runs out wide is something that no one could do last year. Jane's back, you know our American friend. Mm. Can you read this one out? It's, uh, it's just sort of midway there in the Aronson uh, Aronson clips. It's see, just, I, I really like the uh, what the middle part of this. Um, I don't I don't see the opening phrase as a very American thing. Little fucker has good feet. No regard for personal space can run forever. No regard for personal space. I really like that. That's Jane, excellent. send us a tape. Put us out of this. <laughs> we need to hear your voice, don't we? He may run. Uh, sorry, he may look like a 12-year-old, but he can run like a 13-year-old, says Panchford. <laughs> Absolute pest and will be an asset with us until he hits puberty and finds out about girls. I enjoyed Rich AD's as well saying, reminding me of your kid nephew, um, his birthday party with his new shirt on two sizes too big, just running around like a nutcase and you regret playing football with him after five minutes. <laughs> uh, Angus Quarter Pounder as well said he showed more rodent qualities to our front line. <laughs> um, in my research into North American rodents, I found out there is one called a marsh rice rat, which is fitting. Excellent. Um, we end up, somehow, whenever we're trying to praise a player, we end up either calling them little scum bastards or <laughs> rat, some variation rat of rat. Because uh, Scouse Wizard Rat is, uh, Joffy had a, a, a quiet weekend off the bench, but we've uh, we've managed to keep the rodent quote. Oh, can we just, go, Michael, can you just deploy the uh, the accent again for John Jay's comments there? Second paragraph there, if we, if you could. It starts off, I'm biased, admittedly. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm an American in my in my 40s, but I've been a Leeds United fan since age 10 when my family lived overseas. Martian Aronson and Adams on my Leeds team is freaking awesome. Loved it. <laughs> Great. It's the big, it's obviously the big commercial opportunity of the season, isn't it? That um, Americans starting to follow Leeds United, and I'm, and I'm, Marsh and uh, Aronson and Adams. Him. And this is how we're welcoming <laughs> our potential new listeners and subscribers. Well, should we get to the uh, French now? Because loads of people have nominated Melia. Oh, they're never going to subscribe to the square ball, are they? So the Laurent fans are already annoyed about us trying to go back for Tournier. <laughs> Crucial saves, says Johnny. Um, how did you deal with... Uh, kept us in the game, says Spader Boy. Spader Boy, is that yeah. how you went, you yeah. went, what you went for in the end? Because I put that on the... Uh, we had the correspondence, didn't mm. we? I thought it was maybe Hull. Sparda. Sparda. <laughs> <laughs> Half spiders. <laughs> I'm McKenna Kirk. <laughs> Just an option, anyway. Uh, I've never heard him say it. But no, he's very good, wasn't he? Can't match him with a whole accent. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, well, little problem in my room with the spiders. <laughs> he was. Um, we're probably in the perfect scenario with Melier. I like it when he makes. Um, how many good saves did he make? It was two, wasn't it? There's was maybe. Mm. Um, but then still concedes a goal because then all the um, Champions League clubs as he says it (laughs) concedes a girl (laughs) because then all the Champions League clubs looking at him will be like well there must be something wrong with him if he's conceding all these goals and will let us keep him because Mm -hmm. I uh, you said it's hard to imagine how our team we used to imagine how it works without Rafinha hard to imagine now how it works without Aronson we'd be lost without Melier and it's frightening sometimes that we will sell him next summer. That we will sell him next summer. As, well, Angus, as, told as, me. as Angus told you, it's a swap deal for De Gea, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. He's already uh, agreed. But um, yeah, what he, the saves he pulls off far, far, far outweigh any sort of mistakes he might make or any problems with his distribution. He saved us. Um, <laughs> he didn't it. save us many points last season, I suppose, <laughs> but saved us a lot of. A lot of uh, Goals. Sorry, I'm still thinking about Saturday. Spared. About the spiders. Spiders. Uh, 
Click gets a number of nominations as well for his uh, for his cameo from the bench. Drymond is on towards the win. Um, Let's all agree to keep him. Yeah, yeah. I don't definitely. care if he wants to leave to get the World Cup. Blah blah blah. I want to go to the World Cup too. You know, we can't. <laughs> we don't, you don't get everything, do you? No. And I think he should get enough minutes, shouldn't he? Especially if Rodrigo so. keeps having a second well, half like that. I was going to say I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say he doesn't deserve a start over Rodrigo. Yeah, he certainly after the the way he changed the game on uh, Saturday should but uh, and he's just a good person to have around yeah graffiti cardigans expensive fleeces let's Glasses. do it yeah and you think maybe that you hope that Poland get that same message as well where it's like he's a good player to have in our team and yeah. a good player to have in our squad listen but it's it's about I guess it's he should be in the squad I guess he wants to make sure he plays this is all fine and well who's the manager of Poland it's what's his face isn't it yeah it is we need to hear from uh, from a Wisconsin native now the Americans have effectively taken over this show and this isn't me doing it either. Which Are you is sure? No. Right. So this is this. Uh, Jesse's got some nominations here, but this is from uh, somebody else who's from Wisconsin. Is it? Is it Councilman Ken? <laughs> Ken Bates? No. That was Wyoming. Oh, close enough. Hello, lads. Wisconsin Todd here, bringing my terrible voice upon the world of square ball. I'm very proud to be from Wisconsin. I'm equally proud to be a Leeds fan. So it's pretty cool for me to have native son Jesse Marsh managing the club I've loved since the early '90s. After the 2-1 win over Wolves, I figured I'd reach out and teach you how to celebrate Wisconsin style, and that's by drinking. We are the drunkest state in the Union statistically, and one of the drinks that we like to celebrate with is the old-fashioned cocktail. Now, the old-fashioned is not unique to Wisconsin. It's typically made with bourbon elsewhere, but in Wisconsin, we switch it up and we put brandy in it. You can have it sweet, you can have it sour, but I promise you, you will get pissed and you will enjoy the journey to get there. Google up the recipe and enjoy yourself. Thanks a lot, guys. Keep up the great work. Sure, sure thing, yeah. cowboy. Yeah, I did. Uh, I like how you. I don't think the, there are any cowboys in Wisconsin. Of course, there are. He um, he used the term "pissed," the English um, mm. definition of it. Maybe uh, maybe it will make us angry. I did. I don't know if Wisconsin Todd looks at the YouTube stream, but if you check the match ball after Wolves, I was sporting my Schlitz Breakfast of Champions T-shirt in honor of Jesse Marsh. It's uh, one of the many beers brewed in. Milwaukee and uh, that's in Wisconsin isn't it it is it's famous it's why the, it's all the geography at university it's why the rounders team there is called the Milwaukee Brewers um, because they've got loads of breweries and I used to I remember vividly drinking I was in Rhode Island and there was a bar that had Monday night was dollar schlitz night and I have a I have a lovely antique glass that's um, all multicolored from schlitz that is one of my prized objects at home a brandy old fashioned I've not had I have had a bourbon old-fashioned arguably too many of them because once you start they're really simple to make an old-fashioned like, like pringles yes they're very simple to make because cirrhosis. it's just um <laughs> uh bitters a bit of sugar and then whiskey and an ice cube and then the more you drink of them you get like oh i can't be bothered putting the sugar in and then the the bitters are quite difficult the bottles are always like quite a tight cap so you just pour it and then the ice, well, I've run out, I've used all the ice now. And then you've used, and then you're just pouring a big tumbler of whiskey and then uh, the sun is coming up and you've watched two seasons of 2.4 children. <laughs> but a brandy old-fashioned wow. is something don't I've not... Don't uh, if I've got that in the States. Let, listen, let's, um, let's move on. Maybe maybe get on the Wisconsin versions and you can watch the upper hand. Well, that's something. it because it's a bit too, uh, not too, but it's you can see it's he's right about it being sweeter. So it's brandy and then you have muddled fruit instead of, um, so that's providing the sugar instead of just straight sugar. And then a topper of lemon lime soda. So it is very... It's that Sprite, isn't it? 
uh, or seven up, mm-hmm. um, yeah, or a, a alternative from a less from a different brand. <laughs> Thanks for that, Musk. Panda <laughs> pops, maybe, yeah, but exactly. you, you know, right? You let's can spend what you want. Well, there's no point in putting panda pops in if you're using expensive brandies. Let's do some of the outliers here on this. Also, drink show. responsibly. Yep. Don't gamble, um, but drugs are fine. Uh, painted by the numbers and Tom. Suggesting Rodrigo. We've got Archie Gray and Liam Cooper, Bay Area Brandon, the libelous one, and Brad all um, suggesting them for laughing at Bruno Lage. I did really enjoy Archie Gray. Mm-hmm. Being, looking really like a, a kid who can't believe his luck to be seeing his, yeah. seeing a big argument between grown men. Yeah. And then Cooper was good. Rob made Cooper the centre of a, a blog on the website because it's as he's going down the tunnel. He's just looking quite normal, and then he catches sight of Bruno Large's face and just bursts, and bursts out <laughs> laughing. It's um, great. Nicola has nominated Robin Cox. She said, "Cock." That's it. It's good. I like a succinct nomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it means we don't have to talk much about it. Um, Ryan Eight Nuri. I can't say these names. Abysmal defending. Both leading to Leeds goals. Looking forward to more. I think of the he did same. some last year as well, didn't he? In the three-two comeback, That's I think he was responsible for a bit. Gouldy, thank you, Gouldy. So, yep, yep, he's uh, good. Uh, no mercy, Crease. Uh, Jackie gets a nomination. Rasmus for his glorious tackle. Mm. Um, it was a glorious tackle. Yeah. Some shaky bits around. Better it. than his one in the first half. Yeah. Uh, Rocker, Bamford, Harrison and Ailing all nominated by uh, an assortment of bodies. Thank you for your, uh, for your nominations. And Ding, who's the very, very pessimistic one, says that Harrison seemed focused despite the transfer news. Man of the match for me. Probably convinced himself, Ding, that uh, Jackie's on... The first plane to Newcastle as we speak. Who's your hero of the week then? It should be between Aronson and Melier. Mm. I think it's, it's going to be Aronson, isn't it? Yeah, he got the goal. He's new as well. He's got that benefit of being new. Yeah. So Melier, he's, we know he's, he's good all the time, isn't it? It's boring. Um, it feels like right as well, given such an American flavour to the shows this week that we give it to uh, one of our transatlantic friends. Yeah, because it might encourage them to keep listening and then eventually pay for subscriptions. Yeah. So, which, which helps to keep this whole sorry mess on the road. Which uh, might make up for the um, slaughtering their accents. He's making me do it. <laughs> Tell him. I won't do any next week when he's on holiday. Yeah. So, <laughs> you'll be sat here in this chair shitting yourself, realizing what a fucking job you've got on your hands. I'll, I'll make it look like a fucking walk in the park. <laughs> I'm sure. Because <laughs> people won't see the many, many takes. <laughs> You'll still be here by the time I get back, won't you? <laughs> so there you go. That wraps it up then. Brendan Aronson, our hero of the week, first one of the new season, and we will return with more stuff. Um, He's won it 100% of the time. Yeah. And he can he can win it again as long as it consistently translates into uh, increased subscription income. Great stuff. This is not that we're, not that we're just regarding mm. our new American friends as a cash cow. But uh, a Yankee doll—that's all you care about. But that's pretty much um, how FIFA has regarded the uh, the entire continent for the last um, since 1994, effectively. So I think we're we're in a, a fine tradition. That wraps it up. We'll see you in a bit. Bye bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.